welcome once again to the beginning of the third season of Best of All Possible Podcast. I am your host, Robert Weathers, and as you know, we here at Panglossian Productions have a love for the weird. We love the unproduced and underproduced, and boy, do we love 10-minute plays. And here on this podcast, we are happy to bring you a brand new 10-minute play every two weeks during our season here in 2020. Now, before we begin, I'd like to make a note to you that we, in order to support this podcast and help us do things like bring in fine actors from uh, the Williamsburg area, do things uh, when we are recording it on podcast nights. Boy, I'm doing a great job right now. Thank you very much. Uh, get bonus, bonus material. That's right, bonus material, and that bonus material is through our Patreon. So Woo! we now, yeah, thank you, thank you, undisclosed people who are clapping right now. We uh we have set up a Patreon. It's Patreon.com/slash/boapp. B-O-A-P-P, as in best of all possible podcasts. And for as little as three dollars per month, you can help support us bring you these new new ten minute plays from across the globe. And one of the very fine actors that you will help bring into your earbuds or into your speakers while you're driving around town is none other than our special chair lady, Christina Westenberger. You seem surprised, Christina. I, I was a little surprised by I didn't, that. I didn't tell you beforehand, did I? That's okay. <laughs> so, uh, Christina, today we are going to read a play called Two Cats Explain the Monstrous Moth Group by Ian Fall. And I have a question for you that is tangentially related to the play at hand. I would love to answer your question, Robert. Christina, do cats ever do things that weird you out? Yes. Like what? When you step out of the shower and they're sitting on the sink and they're staring at Just you. Just looking at you, right? Yep. <laughs> uh-huh. I think that's going to find, uh, that's, you're going to find that that is really appropriate for the play that we're about to read here. So uh, those of you listening at home, uh, we are going to read Two Cats Explain the Monstrous Moth Group by Ian Thal, but we're not going to read it with just me and Christina. We have a couple of other folks who are joining us here today, beginning with none other than Michael Westenberger. Yay! Hi, Michael. Yay! So, Michael, uh, do cats ever do anything that weird you out? Oh, absolutely. Like, if we have two cats, uh -huh. if one cat throws up, and then, of course, our kids refuse to clean it up, and then the other cat starts to clean it up. Oh, <laughs> oh I see. That kind of grosses Ew, me out. Ew, gross. <laughs> I, have, uh, I have seen cats. So, we have cats and a dog in our house, and our cats will relieve themselves, and then the dog will go and get himself some what we call stinky biscuits <laughs> from the buffet. <laughs> Which seems like a weird circle of life thing. Especially <laughs> if your dog then comes and gives you a kiss. That's Of course he does. That's right. <laughs> well, we're excited to have... Uh, Christine, I didn't say this to you. We're excited to have you here. Michael, we're excited to have you here as well. And we're also excited to have returning to the show, Sharon Hollins. Yay! Hi, Sharon. Sharon, you don't have any cats. No. <laughs> so, uh, hey, have cats ever done anything that weirded you out? They exist. That's, they are kind of weird creatures, aren't they? My husband had cats before. Well, he had cats when we first started dating. That's how I knew he was serious. He got rid of his cat. Oh, I see. So let me ask you this. Have you yet seen the movie Cats? I have not seen the movie Cats. Do you intend to? <laughs> I cannot imagine not seeing the movie Cats. <laughs> oh. um, I just 
part of me wants to see it at the big, big on the big screen. Mm -hmm. Part of me doesn't want to throw money at that. Yeah, I understand. The reason I but I can't is, imagine that I won't see it. Yeah, the, the reason the reason I ask is just because so much of the criticism about the movie is about the way that the cats, the people, move. Uh, but they move like cats do, or at least how humans would interpret cats moving. And uh, there's a lot of talk about them being too sexy, but I think a lot of times when you're talking about cat-like movements, you're talking about sexy movements. You know, they're sleek, they're lean, they, you know, wiggle around. <laughs> I, don't... I think I we just here? found more yeah. about Robert than we wanted to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I really like cats. <laughs> <laughs> I also really like the fact that Liz Thomas is here tonight. Hi, Liz. Um, Liz has a cat. I do have a cat. Liz, do you have any pictures of your cat you can show the people at home? <laughs> oh, just about five. Hey, you give to the Patreon, maybe you'll see the five million pictures of my cat. How about that? How's that? Is That's that enticing you here? That's bonus Subscribe material. to our Patreon. She's a really cute cat. So your cat's name is what? Maple. Maple. Uh -huh. Yeah. So does Maple do, ever do weird stuff? Every minute she breathes. Like what? Uh, well, she, you know, she breathes, she, it's, I love it when they can look just so proper, you know, they'll have their little feet together, they'll have the little tail around, and they just look, look so sleek, as you say, so mm -hmm. cute, and then they'll just be staring right at you, lift their leg, and start licking their butthole. I mean, it's just like so sleek, so cute, and then they're just like, nope, and now I'm gonna lick my butt. That's so really cat. Robert, is that sexy? Yeah, is that pretty sexy? Uh, I'm, I mean, <laughs> I feel like there's got to be at least one movie about that. <laughs> oh, God. That's a different cat. So that's a different cat. Anyway. Anyways. Uh, welcome to the third season of the Best of All Possible podcast. Uh, we are reading tonight, Two Cats Explain the Monstrous Moth Group by Ian Thal. And so uh, our actors here tonight are going to take on roles. They don't know, well, they know the roles that I've assigned them because I sent them this in a message earlier today, but uh, they don't know anything about this play because it is a cold read and what you're hearing is their first impressions and afterwards we're going to have a discussion about the play so i'm going to assign the roles now the dramatis personae michael if you would be so kind as to read the role of television okay. television is described as a television uh, christina if you would be so kind as to read the role of human Human is described as a human owner or caretaker for two cats. The human's gender is not particularly relevant to the cats. Omi, uh, if uh, Sharon, would you please read Omi? Omi is described as a dignified adult cat female, and she is spayed. Uh, Parvati, uh, Liz, if you would be so kind as to read Parvati, uh, a younger cat with no sense of dignity. She's female and spayed as well, either a calico or a tortoise shell. There is another character in this play that I did not assign. That is the role of Bat, and you will see why. I'm not reading the role of Bat. I am reading the stage directions. There are, uh, there are some notes here that I will read for the audience just beforehand. Uh, the cats and the bat may be portrayed by either puppets or humans in costumes. The television and the bat may be played by the same performer. So, gentlemen and ladies, without any further ado, two cats explain the monstrous moth group by Ian Thal. The setting. A living room in an attic or loft apartment. A human is watching television. Omi and Parvati are nearby, seemingly absorbed in the movements of something that only they can see. What these things are will be the subject of dispute. Halitosis, better known as bad breath, is caused by bacteria, the germs that live on your gums and the tip of your tongue. 
Your dentist can't see the germs that cause bad breath, and that's why there's... Why would I even think my dentist could see germs? Is my dentist a super dentist with microscopic vision? Do I need to see a dentist? You don't need a dentist. Let us look. We can see germs. You see germs? Open wide, Mum. Germs. What do you think we look at? We see germs. They are vaguely present out of grasp of our claws or paws. Now stop moving your mouth. Like right now when you see the germs that cause bad breath? These germs. Human's breath stinks from eating plants. And drinking that moonshine. Those aren't germs. Those are the floaters inside your eyes. They register in your visual cortex. Oh, germs and eyeballs. Sneak it. Please enunciate. No one will take us seriously if you insist on speaking that way. Your eyes shift in position in order to engage in pursuit of the floaters. Consequently, your vestibulocular reflex causes your fuzzy little heads to make a sudden shift in position. We are observing the germs just like your scientists. Just like your dentists, human mummies. Why can't the kittens learn to speak? It's the same process that causes you to chase after moths, but since floaters aren't tangible, you don't go into full pursuit mode. Germs are virtual moths, or conversely, moths are germs that have rotated into an edible scale. Now, you aren't explaining what is wrong with this kitten. Mother's good eating. Nom, nom, nom. Parvati, enunciate. Omi thwacks Parvati. Now practice your song. The sloth. Slothful moth does scoffs and frosts it cloths. <coughs> Germs they yearns to learns to turns and squirms. Uh, George, we'll come back to that later. Moths are not germs. Germs are bacteria. Moths are insects. It's a matter of fractal mathematics. Fractal mathematics. Parvati <coughs> begins playfully rolling about and chasing her tail. Imagine, the universe as we experience it is but three dimensions of height. Height! Height is in your diamond shell. Width and depth. Dance to moths! Dance to germs! But underlying, its underlying superstructure has 196,833 dimensions. Anything that exists, anything you experience, anything that can be described mathematically can be rescaled along one of these 196,833 or rotated on any of those 196,833 axes. Indeed, they are like cl likely classes of motion that exist only in higher dimensions, a dimensional space <laughs> beyond our day-to-day -day experience. Hyper-rotation. Exactly. The germ is rotated and rescaled into a moth. That's pretty trippy. But you guys are not mathematicians. Oh, no? Explain then the graceful arcs we trace with our leaps and three-dimensional curls and helixes of our bodies as we somersault through the air. Somersault through the air. She Helix starts grooming herself. Our complexes. You are apex predators. Thank you very much. And the spatial and kinesthetic abilities that make you such brilliant hunters. You flatter me, Mom. Please continue. Come from having a sophisticated cerebellum. We love you too, mummies. Which results in our math advanced mathematical ability, much as you humans developed a facility for language out of your need to be social animals. Or, I might add, have evolved opposable thumbs so that you may operate can openers and doorknobs door in the service of cats, Mom. I love you guys, <laughs> but I'm not your mother. You are mom too. 
Just as we were rotated and rescaled from kittens into adult cats, you have been rotated and rescaled from a mommy cat into an adult human. Have you considered just how similar the skeleton of a human is to a cat's? Virtually the same bones, just rescaled and rotated. Quod arat demonstratatum, you are our mum. That's only evidence common mammalial ancestor. Yes, it's cute that you consider me your mother, but this whole 193,000... 196,833... 196,833... 196,833 dimensional model of the universe where everything is just a rotation and rescaling of everything else doesn't square with their evolutionary biologic biology that we're discussing. Oh, my silly human mommy, you are thinking about time so linearly. The passage of time is but a phenomenon of the 196,833 dimensional superstructure of the universe. Evolution happens within this unchanging superstructure. So everything is everything else merely rescaled and rotated? Oh no, there are two sorts of things. Cats and germs and foods! Ah, yes, food, three things. And strings. Ah, yes, strings, four things. Of course, super string. I was wondering when that would come up, and let me guess, a stick is a string that has been rotated only to be symmetrical along a central axis. You're learning, Mom! The screeching of a bat's echolocation is heard. Both Omi and Parvati take on villagent effects. Germs! I'm off! No, you goofballs. It's a bat! It must have flown in through the window. Bats are germs! A moth rescaled and hyper-rotated on its 196, 833 dimensions and axes. Bat flies frantically around the room using echolocation in an attempt to find a way out, uh, out the bright indoor light that it finds to be unpleasant. Parvati watches the bat flap around before launching into a pursuit. Omi observes both predator and prey as if making numerous predictive calculations. No! Don't hurt it! Germs! I seize you! Moths! I catches you! Bats! I bites you! Parvati catches the bat. Human grabs Parvati, who releases the bat. Bat returns to flying about the room, navigating by echolocation. Why you do that, mummies? I catches and bites the bats. You want bats too? Omi, having made elaborate calculations on bat behavior, springs into action, gracefully catching the bat. Hi! You pose to catch bats, not cats! Mommies. Human releases Parvati, then catches Omi, who releases the bat. Bat then screeches about the room, looking for an escape route. Parvati pursues. Germs! I seize you! Moths! I catches you! Bats! I bites you! Parvati catches the bat again. No! Human catches Parvati again, who again releases the bat. Omi again springs into action. Omi catches the bat. Human grabs a blanket and an article of or an article of clothing. Human catches Omi. Omi releases the bat. Germs! I seize you! Moths! I catches you! Bats! I bites you! Human throws a blanket over the bat, who falls to the floor and suddenly out of both Omi and Parvati's perception. Hi! Where do bats, moths, germs goes? Human, keeping bat out of sight of the cats, checks the bat for injuries. Clearly the bat has advanced technology that allows it to rescale and hyper-rotate back into a germ. Bats knows about 196 thousand eight ball hundred turtle tree diamond shell universal superstructure omi <laughs> humans satisfied that no injuries have been inflicted upon the bat bundles the bat in a blanket and releases it to the outdoors yes Pavardi, it appears so 
We will study the mathematics involved so that next time we can replicate the feat and continue the pursuit in the higher dimensional realm. She notices something. There! <gasps> I see germs! Both cats are again absorbed into something that only they can see. Human sits back down in front of the television, turning it back on. Captain! The phenomenon appears to be a wormhole that may connect us with other worlds, other universes, perhaps worlds within worlds, or even universes nested within universes. If we enter, we may find ourselves on the other side of the galaxy, or even standing on a speck of dust floating in the air around us. Humans have advanced technology too! Havarti, practice your song again. The bratty bat gets fed by eating nuts. Bratty bat gets fed by eating nuts. End of play. Yay! Yay! <laughs> Did I mention I'm allergic to cats? Oh. <laughs> well, Sharon, good news, because all we have to do now is talk about, talk about cats and not the movie. Unless you want to. Uh, so we have come to the part of the show now where we're going to have a brief discussion about the play that we have just read. And I like to start with the same question every time. And we'll start with Christina. Christina, what are your first impressions of the play? This can be as simple as I liked it, I didn't like it, uh, what you liked or what you didn't. Uh, the floor is yours. I love the idea of a human having having a conversation with the cats, because I have conversations with our cats all day long. I think anybody who has cats yeah. has conversations with them from time to time. And I'm fortunate that, that we've got one cat at home that's that's pretty chatty, but it's it's fascinating to, to make up the idea of, of what that cat might be like. Our cat is definitely not as smart as Omi. <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if many cats are as smart as I, I yeah, is. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. So uh, let me ask you this: Do you think that human was imagining what was happening here, or was were the cats actually talking to her? I think it was probably a conversation that's taking place in in humans' head because there mm -hmm. there comes a point where you've got to you've got to imagine what that conversation would be like, and it's it's all what's going on in your head. You're kind of, uh -huh. <laughs> you're kind of trying to winkle out. How how does the world work? Yeah, you're working on a problem and or how, something, right? How does this fit together? And <laughs> let's come up with a long list of reasons not to go to the dentist. Right. <laughs> so that's kind of a fun, a funny way of looking at at cats and humans. What do you think, Sharon? As somebody who doesn't have cats, what are your first impressions of the play? Uh, first of all, I would remind you of the moonshine comment. Um, so it could be. Oh, okay, okay. Moonshine. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't think about that. Be drunk. Mm -hmm. uh, sure. But it reminded me of Pinky and the Brain. Uh huh. I think so. Yeah, I think that makes sense. So for those of you who Modern. might be uh, under a certain under a certain age, Pinky and the Brain, two mice. One is very smart, and one is very dumb. Uh, bless to, his heart. Bless his heart. That's right. Thank you, Liz. So, so Sharon, what's going on with what's going on with human here? Do you agree with uh, Do you agree with Christina? I don't know. It's not my thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and not just because of the cats. But um, I, it might be, yeah, my, I, I think it might be all in human's head because of the, the moonshine statement. Um, but... I, I, you, you said that it wasn't, you said that wasn't your thing. You mean the, you mean the, the play, play, the style? Yeah, the style is uh -huh. not my thing. Um, but uh, the yeah, the, the, I think it might be all in all in humans' head. Um, it also strikes me as sort of the 
kind of thing that could be uh, that the weird thought process you go through just before you fall asleep in front of the TV. Uh-huh. When you're sort of affected by what's going on on the TV, but your brain just takes it and makes it something completely weird. A weird, like, dream hypnotic kind of state? Yeah, yeah but you're, okay. not quite a, you're not quite asleep yet, and your brain just... Yeah. Yeah, gotcha. So what, so what do you think, Michael? What were your uh, first impressions of the play? Uh, definitely a weird kind of play. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was thinking more of, like, told from the, the cat's perspective. I mean, let's be honest. Those of us that have cats, right, they they sit around all day mm-hmm. thinking of crazy stuff. So, you know, when the, the play starts going into this, you know, all these 186,000 dimensions uh-huh. and I'm thinking, people don't have time to think about that. Cats have time to think about that crazy weird stuff. So mm-hmm. I was kind of thinking of it more like the cats were playing out this conversation in their head. Oh, I see. I like that. So, um, so the cats are playing out this conversation in, in but it's in their head. They're not right. actually talking to the human right. in, in this. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. What do you think, Liz? Uh, it's it's interesting. I'll I'll be honest. Reading Parvati, um, it I got a little bit caught up on trying to get my get myself around the, the language. Uh, so I almost would wish to go back and have a second read because I honestly wasn't like I was half listening, but I was also looking to my next line to make sure that I wasn't going to completely crash into it. For those of you pace. listening at home, uh, Parvati's lines are written very phonetically. Uh, which is why like, Liz was... I has hamburger, like the cat. It's, it's very much yeah. the I has cheeseburger, cheeseburger. writing. Yes. Oh my gosh, thank uh-huh. you, cheeseburger. What is the I has cheeseburger? It's a meme. Yeah. It's a meme, yeah. <laughs> it's a, it's one of the original memes. It is. So. Oh, the grand mommy, granddaddy <laughs> memes. So, there you go. So, yeah, I, I mean, I would... Um, I, I honestly don't know if I have a, a true opinion on it just now because, like I said, I was honestly only about half listening. Peanut gallery is going nuts over there. Great. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> oh, I see. Oh, they're entertained by the I can have cheeseburger. Well, who's not? It's so, cat. They want a cheeseburger. So, Michael, let me ask. Let me ask you a question uh, about the the role of television in this. Uh, yes, it was very. It, I had to stretch myself for that role. You know, it's, it's, huh? it it sounded like it. So, you know, in the in the early part, uh, television is the catalyst that brings up. The dentist, which causes human to ask about the dentist and germs, um, but uh, at the end, television says something that is. I'm scrolling down to uh, to see it. Uh, that is a little a little bit profound. What do you think television is adding here at the end? Anything in particular? Uh, just again, when I you know at the end of it, my first impression was, hey, this is in the cat's head. But but then when I read that, you know, as I'm as we're reading it aloud and sure. I'm listening to it. Uh, but then that last section, when I came across that, it was it was kind of like, oh wait a minute, is it you know is is the is the mother now is she watching some type of sci-fi episode and now all of a sudden you know did she change the channel or is it on the same channel that was on before? Uh-huh. So I was kind of wondering about that, but then it almost seems like it was somehow with the wormhole comment, like it's tying all these potentially hundred eighty six thousand different axes and these different you know slices of yeah the wormhole is what really stuck out of the end for me i don't know if it was the same for you yep it was super so here uh before we finish up i want to ask one final question and uh whoever wants to answer uh can can have a have a turn but i'm wondering about from your perspective as a director for this play what does it look like Uh, are the people in costumes are they puppets are is there a mix what do you think uh christine i'll start with you if you have anything well 
I loved that they provided some suggestions. Uh-huh. Is it puppets? Is it humans? Is it a cartoon? Mm-hmm. Is it like a little short? That that could be kind of entertaining. This could be a cartoon, um, couldn't it? Yes, yeah, it could. Yeah, I thought yeah. It, it could be a really fun, cute little short. But because I'm all about the how funny could it possibly be, um, humans in costumes, not cats movie type costumes. Mm-hmm. I just want to be clear. Okay. <laughs> um, but like, you know, amusement park costumes. Oh, okay. Like, so the animals would be larger than life mm-hmm. than the human would so be. So like Sylvester. Right. Uh, at Six Flags kind of right, costumes. Right, right. Uh-huh. Or Marie at, at Disney. Uh-huh. Just thinking of, you know, just big, larger than life cats because the cats have kind of taken over I mean, this is definitely, you know, a story playing out between the two cats and just having them be larger than life and having the human try to catch the cats and having the bat, you know, kind of fly in on a string. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That would be amusing to me. But really, for me, when it comes to directing, it's all about my amusement. Oh, well. It's, you know, whatever, whatever is amusing to me. And think, that would be amusing to me. Well, I think like that really larger gets, than life cats. Yeah, well if this is if this is really about the cats, I think that really gets the point across as, you know, super large uh super large beings there, something much bigger than the human that's right, there. Right. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. That would be fun. Any any other thoughts? Michael, well of course the TV has to be center stage, right? <laughs> I mean that really is the 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 crux of the show. You know, in my perspective, I think that the I think the human is either in the chair that's facing directly upstage, or the TV is upstage, like upstage left or upstage right, with the human's chair uh, in that in that direction, so that like the the human comes into the space of the cats uh, and then exits the space of the cats. Yeah. Though though it would be interesting if that human just sort of sat in the chair the entire time and in all of the action was the cat. I like that. Well, and, yeah. and I was also even thinking, what if the the mother was actually in the TV and the cats are just at home alone watching this, kind of playing this out as if they're having a conversation with uh-huh. this TV character, but they really have no idea what the TV character is saying, hmm. right? Anyway, just different Neat. spin. Any thoughts, Sharon? Um, I was just thinking... Practicality-wise, I, I would almost go the opposite of Christina with puppets because big-headed character things, your sight is so severely limited. It would be a major danger and cluster to try to choreograph the end of that. That's paint, why it's it funny, would be right? entertaining. <laughs> to paint lines on so the floor. Fun. <laughs> Speaking as somebody who's had to do something in a large head and not fall off a stage before, it's hard. Whoa, 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 whoa. What? 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 When did you do that? I was a horse. Really? In a production of Man of La Mancha with a giant, giant um, paper mache. Really? I didn't know that. I think that's bonus material for people who donate twenty dollars. So twenty dollars. All right, and Liz, any any directorial thoughts on on the play? Germs. I don't know. Um, no, like I said, I I really uh, I'm I'm terrible, but I would just I I almost need another read of it before I can make any sort of directing or uh, opinion thoughts on it. I mean, I, I like it. I, I do want another read of it, but um, yeah. Thank you. I'm so glad you asked me that question. Thank you, Liz. You're, you're very you know, you could have just said no. No. Thank you, Liz. You're All right, so good, very good. All right, so uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you very much for uh, tuning in to or downloading this episode or listening to online this episode of Best of All Possible Podcast. Let's make sure we thank Ian Thaw for the wonderful play Two Yay! Cats Explain the Monstrous Moth Group. 
And thanks to Liz and Sharon and Michael and Christina and, of course, our stage manager, Rachel, and the sound techs who shall not be named, who is nodding knowingly at me at the end. Make sure you check out our Patreon. We'll put a link in the description. Uh, and if you have interest in Panglossian Productions, you can find out more about us at www.panglossian.org. Hit that subscribe button for a brand new play every two weeks in our 2020 season. Thanks for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye.